Hey, Mom Nation. Welcome to Mental Wealth with Laura Wood and Katie Holly Lambert, where we talk through generational trauma so we can leave a new legacy for our children. Counselor Laura is with Beneviri Counseling out of Chandler, Arizona, and you can find her on Facebook, on the web, or by the link in the show notes. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey, Mom Nation. It's Katie, your founder. I am here again, like we are once a month with the lovely, the amazing, the very, very smart and insightful Laura, Counselor Laura. I want to call you Dr. Laura. I just can't help it. I can't be Dr. Laura. Not a doctor. Counselor Laura is just fine or Laura is also fine. Um, Or just Laura. We are here with Laura. (laughs) Welcome to Mental Wealth. If you are just joining us, If you're not sure what we talk about on this show, we talk through the just mental health subjects, just things that pertain to us as individuals and as parents so that we don't pass this baggage we've got going on to our kids who don't deserve it because it's not theirs anyway. Mm -hmm. Right? Really? I love that description. We need to bottle that. That was perfect. Well, in a nutshell, I mean, it's not their junk. It's our junk. Mm -mm. Yeah, that's right. That's and right. I can attest like carrying my caregivers junk throughout life. Not fun. Mm-hmm. Same. And also not even realizing what was okay and what was not okay. Oh, right? that's giant. I know. Like all of a sudden you're like, Oh, so other people don't do that. So it's not normal to like call each other names or scream at each other or whatever. Like, Oh, like, <laughs> now I know. Right. Years yeah. later. Right. Cause we don't always know. Right. Through conflict, through relationship after relationship, through pain and suffering and all of that jazz. Yeah. So we're trying to help save you and your littles from some pain and suffering that you just really don't need to have. And so today's topic is actually a conversation that we're going to continue Laura and I. Yeah. So we happen to be, I had the pleasure of spending the weekend with Laura. So we happened to be together. We went out of town. We were talking in the airport. As we were delayed, we were talking further and further. It was a real fun time. Um, <laughs> but we had some great conversation. And my, my question to her was, or the topic that we were talking about was, hey, Kelly. Kelly was there too. Welcome to the show. Um, you missed this, Kel. This was a really good conversation. So the topic that we were talking about was like, Hey, um, if you're in conversation with somebody or, you know, specifically it was about me approaching somebody in my life and just bringing up something basic or just starting a conversation and they're in anxiety and they're in something that I'm not a part of and Mm -hmm. they lash out because they're in that space, but I'm not a part of that. So let's continue that conversation and um, maybe track it back to, I loved the whole stop, but I'm not going to ruin it, Um, but maybe track us back to that. Like, okay. So when you're in this kind of situation, whether it be somebody you're really close to or not, like, how do you as an individual stop the conflict before it starts, Mm. extinguish the fire before it ignites basically. Mm. So I like the way that you put that extinguish the fire before it ignites. So we all have what we call a window of tolerance and essentially it's a window of tolerance for like life, for stress, for existing and, um, being alert and engaged. Um, and so this concept of a window of tolerance, I think 
Dr. Dan Siegel is responsible for that, but I could be wrong. So I just want to make sure I'm citing at least a source that, because <laughs> I didn't make that up, but essentially it's like you're, I always do this in session. I'm really like gesture So I'm like, okay, so this is like your window, right? Where you're engaged, you're okay. You feel grounded for the most part, you're calm-ish at least. And you can, you can interact in an effective way, right? And you, you have the capacity to treat people the way they deserve to be treated, mm -hmm. right? So you have that tolerance and things that make it harder to stay in this space is just stress, daily stuff. Like, oh, I got stuck in traffic. Okay, this space got a little smaller. Oh, I spilled my coffee. Space got a little smaller. Like just day-to-day stuff. It kind of like decreases your capacity throughout the day. And when you've reached capacity, then you flip. They, he says, Dan, Dr. Nancy says, you flip your lid. And you basically go outside of your window and you're in distress now. So your body is, in, is taking a defensive action. Your body starts to either get anxious, give you more energy to like fight or flee or give you less energy so that you can like freeze or shut down or kind of escape, right? Or just sort of like, like right. moonwalk out, right? Like just shut down. <laughs> so um, essentially, if we want to avoid escalation, we need to recognize when we're in this window and when we're about to not be anymore. So we've got to have a stop point. We've got to recognize like, okay, I'm at the end. Like I'm it. This is it. I can't do any more with until like, if something else happens, like it's like that moment before you flip the table, right? Like mm -hmm. you kind of have to be like, stop. And so I, what I teach my clients a lot of the time, because a lot of the time I'll have clients who come in as an individual, or they'll call me first and they'll say, Hey, I need you to help me with my kid, my kids' behaviors, all this stuff, da, da, da. So I'm like, cool parent session first. We talk about all these behaviors and like we talk about the window of tolerance and all that. And then I explain how this stuff works. And then they're like, oh, I need to be there too. So now mm. I'm doing family therapy. Now I'm doing mom child therapy. Now I'm doing right because it turns out that we all have a responsibility to stay in our window. And as long as we're in our window, we can control our own boundaries. So we stop. So I do this. I'm like, Mah! <laughs> that's my stop signal. <laughs> so, like I'm out. Ah, I can't like you're bit. That's all you're doing. You're like, I'm done. I can't ah. like, so I no longer have the capacity to engage in this discussion or conference conflict or whatever it is that we're doing without completely losing it. Like I, I don't have that now. So I need a, I need a break. That's sort of what that is. So that's basically like the foundation of it all is knowing where that breaking point is for you mm -hmm. and then exercising your ability to trust and stop bulldozing over your capacity. And when your body says, stop, respect your body and brain and say, stop and just stop because we're going to, your body and brain will tell you like, I'm, I, I can't anymore. Mm -hmm. We always are like, Oh, but I can just power through power through power through. Mm. But 
so we need to so i call that bulldozing like we need to stop bulldozing over ourselves and in and respect our our need for internal alignment and internal consent to continue forward into these conversations well and that creates a win-win right because that creates more peace for you you get the break that you need maybe it's a three-minute break maybe totally. it's a three-day break yeah maybe you need a nap like who knows and then that stops you from overstepping the boundaries of another or perhaps abusing mm, yeah. another or, you know, creating some sort of issue for another. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's such a good point. Like, I can't respect your boundaries if I'm outside of my capacity for healthy engagement because I'm in a defensive posture. So you are you have become something that I need to defend myself against. Mm -hmm. And that's not particularly healthy in a relationship. Like if it's a friendship, like you're not enemy, right? Like it's not a, you guys against each other. But what happens when we sort of go out of that window is that we stop talking about what we're actually talking about and we start just winning. Mm -hmm. There's a winner and there's a loser, but that's not going to, nobody wins in that situation. Like everybody loses. So mm -hmm. we can not stay on topic when we're in that situation too so then we start well in 1997 you know you whatever like and it's like okay <laughs> right and then you're probably also filtering information differently so perhaps the yeah. other person says something and you view it as an attack when it's really not attack it's just information yeah absolutely we can't see straight we can't hear straight like we can't process information everything changes our whole body and brain's processing system changes. Matter of fact, our hearing gets less, like it's, we can hear less. So, and I, I don't know how Just I'm- Just in case there's problem. a loud noise or something like that? Yeah. Or like we filter for lower decibels for like danger. It's like, mm -hmm. but like we, you're, you actually can hear less when you're outside of your window. So like your hearing is impaired. That's the word I was looking for. Jeez, Louise. <laughs> your hearing, long day. <laughs> yeah. Your hearing is impaired. Um, your perspective is totally different. You have a very, very strong bias towards negativity because you're looking for the danger. You're trying to spot it. You're trying to make sure. So like these animal defenses that we have that we're grateful for that keep us alive can make it really hard for us to have an effective conversation when we're trying to you know, work something out with somebody that we care about, whether that's a right. partner at work, whether that's somebody in, you know, your personal life, or even just like who's in line at the grocery store or whatever, right? Like we don't, we need all of our capacities to people, you know, to do the people thing. Right. Right. Cause it's people-y out there. It's so people-y. Yeah. So we got to know. So, so, okay. So we, we're at the rear. We're there. Okay. <laughs> okay. And then what happens after that? Okay. So what happens after that is if we're out, right? We're out of our window and we're like, Meh, then everybody has to respect each other. And what I like to do, if this is a parent child situation, I want the parent, if the child is going, Meh, that indicates that they don't feel safe and they have lost relational safety. And so for a child, a loss of relational safety is much more vulnerable 
than an adult. So if the parent and if the child is calling out, then the parent needs to not only respect their stop, but also it the parent needs to essentially like offer support. Like, okay, we're done. We'll pick this up another time. I'm right here with you. I love you. Full stop. Because we're not always going to have the capacity to do that. But the better we can get at just switching to I love you. Because when a kid's doing this, it's because they don't think that they're okay. Anymore. Like they're not safe. Mm-hmm. And you're their safety net. So like you have to sort of provide that safety net in that minute. Um, if it's a couple, but the rules are respect the safety. Meh. We can make meh. a better signal <laughs> with more, less weird sounds. You do whatever you want, but we have to respect it. And then if possible, connect. If possible, find relational safety because that's what you've lost. The antidote to trauma and distress is relational safety. Mm-hmm. Is a, I'm here with you. You are accepted. You are loved and cared for. So if we can get back to a connection point, like let's say we were in the fight or something like that. And it's like, we call it, we respect each other. And then we say, okay, let's just put this on the shelf for tonight. Like, I don't think this needs to get solved right now. Or if you need to come back to it, like, okay, let's go back to it. But I just want you to know that I, like, I, you are not my enemy, you know? So like, I think when you start back up, you kind of want to start up in a way that is like some semblance of connection, whatever that can be. I think we quickly, it's, it's easy to jump to, because you're looking for that danger. Like you said, it's easy to jump to this person in front of me. That's causing, causing me, even though it's probably not even them causing it for you, but causing me this anxiety, causing me this pain, causing me this fear is my enemy. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's activating distress. So like our relationships, we've talked about this in our parent child relationships, we react and we're activating nervous system responses to prior traumatic, let's not even use the word traumatic, prior high stress events that caused us pain that our body has since said, I'll never let that happen to me again. Mm. Right? So when you're a kid and you go ask somebody if they want to play, on the kindergarten playground and you are like, Hey guys, you know, do you want to play this cool game of Jack's that I brought? Like, you know, do you remember Jack's? Does everybody? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, and then they're like, you're stupid. Blah. And like pushes your stuff down. Well, I'm never going to let that happen again. Okay. Right. Cause that was devastating for me. Right. So now my brain has, has said, okay, so you don't approach people don't do that again. That's a risk that you are not willing to take. Right. So like that one little thing taught me a lesson that my, that my nervous system is not going to forget. Mm -hmm. So what's happening when we get activated in relationships and conflicts with other people and our kids and our spouses and everything else is that our, those lessons that we learned, those risks 
that we weren't willing to take those things that hurt us the most, our body is saying like, oh, this is that. I got to stop this. I got to make sure this never happens again. I need to defend myself against this person who is hurting me, who's going to hurt me. And so in order to defend myself, I'm either going to hurt them. I'm going to shut them out. I'm going to, I don't know, whatever I need to do to get them away from me. And so whether that means I'm going to physically hurt them or emotionally hurt them, like that's why little kids like hurt each other, you know, on the playground, like if I like push somebody down, it's not just because I'm a jerk. It's because I was threatened and it might not have been in that moment, but my body is operating a a reflexive action that was learned in a different situation where I felt really hurt and vulnerable. And so my defense is going to come back up in this moment. Mm -hmm. And so when that when we're outside of this window, we lose our human capacity to distinguish between a safe relationship and a dangerous one. And then we just hurt each other. Right. And then it perpetuates, right? So if we lash out, what is the other person who is kind of innocent in all of this saying, I just tried to strike up a conversation with you, bro. I don't know what your problem is now. What's going on for them. It flips around and it becomes the same thing, right? Yeah. And then now you're not a safe person to me anymore. So over time, I'm going to stop bringing stuff up. I'm going to withdraw from you because I don't believe that I can approach you. And if I approach you, I believe you're going to shoot me down or you're going to be nasty or you're going to be, you're going to make me feel upset. You're not going to accept my approach. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to stop. Not going to do that anymore. I'm going to avoid you and I'm going to approach. I'm going to use other people to get that need met. Like if I want it. So now I'm going to be confiding in my girlfriends more instead of my spouse. Mm -hmm. Right. Or now I'm going to be right. Like, so I'm going to further develop other relationships and I'm going to let this one stay stagnant because it's not safe for me to approach you anymore. And so, and I might not even realize that this is happening, but then we just drift apart. And then all of a sudden you're like, we don't even, I don't even know what you're up to these days, you know, like we're, and then we're suddenly just like in this weird like space of like distant, not engaged, lack of connection. And we got ourselves there slowly over time of defending, 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 and not experiencing engaging, 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 engaging. That relational safety is the thing that keeps us all emotionally stable and healthy. And so it feeds itself. It's like, I've, I'm defending, now you're defending, now we're walking on eggshells. I'm afraid of, I'm essentially, I'm afraid of you. Mm-hmm. And then I resent you and then I'm sad. So now I'm like starting to get depressed. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, so all this stuff just snowballs because of our lack of awareness of where we went outside, where we went offline. Yeah. Your inability to um, recognize that threshold 
where you step out of tolerance. Yeah, absolutely. So if we can work on that more, if we can, you know, kind of figure out for ourselves where those triggers are, mm-hmm. and then set agreements is what I'm hearing you you say with other people in our life, like likely not the person in the in the grocery store line, but your right. spouse or your yeah. kid or your parents or you know really close friends. Hey, when I'm here, I'm gonna tell you I love you, but I need some time. Let's have an understanding. We're not enemies. I just need to back off because things are going on for me that are not going on for you. And I need to stay within my tolerance level in order to treat you the, in, a, in a respectful, healthy way. Does that sound there, accuracy there? Yeah, it does. And the other thing is that if you're in, not in an agreement with the other person, because maybe the other person, aren't, you guys aren't that close or you've never really had that mutual time to set a boundary, you can still set your own boundary. And when you catch yourself like, oof, that's it, I'm out. Just do the thing, stop the thing, end it. Mm-hmm. Like respectfully end the situation, end the conversation, end the text thread, whatever it is that's happening, like take yourself out of it. And you can do that. You have the right to do that. Mm-hmm. No one has the right to bulldoze a conversation when you're not prepared or safe to have that. Well, and I think recognition is important too, right? And, and yes, and I see what you're saying about setting your own boundary. For example, and you'll know what I'm talking about. I lost my cool over the weekend. Whoops. Um, it was momentary, but I lost it and I recognized it later. It was a moment of high stress. And I recognized it later and did approach the person that I knew needed to hear the apology. And and I was like, you know, look, high stress situation. I probably could have had more patience in that moment. In Mm. fact, I should have had more patience in that moment. And, you know, I'm really sorry. And I love you basically was, was how it went down. And, you know, that person um, gave me a quick, very loving response. We're cool. We're good. Um, but you know, I'd like to hear from her and I may ask her like, what was that experience like for you start to finish? And, you know, maybe it didn't seem like as big a deal for her as it was for me. She didn't mention anything to me about it. It was me that approached her, but for me, I knew that that was outside of my window. Yeah, for sure. And I think that the repair is really important. No relationship is perfect. No person is perfect. We lose it sometimes. And that's okay. Like we're humans with nervous systems. So we lose it sometimes. And when we do, we then are like, oof, uh, my bad, right? Like I'm gonna take the L I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna be like, okay, sorry about that. That's on me. That wasn't about you. I was just, blah, mm-hmm. and that's not okay. And I'm, that's my bad. And so that repair is what builds trust and allows for additional safety so that now, now you're still not, even though I freaked out that time, you're not afraid of me anymore. You're not afraid of me. Mm-hmm. So we have to have that repair. And this is, this is true with kids and parents too. So like everything that we're talking about, 
it started out with an adult to adult conversation, like for you and I, Katie, but this is a kid, a adult to kid conversation too. Mm -hmm. So like these, these rules of all rules apply. Everyone is responsible for monitoring their window and recognizing when they're out and kids aren't going to be as good at this. So parents have the extra responsibility of noticing when the kid is going out of their window, when the kid is starting to do things that are not necessarily a characteristic, or if the kid is starting to like hurt somebody or be whiny, or just like they're demonstrating their lack of capacity, then we need to say like, oh, okay, you're not in it. Let's get you back. How do we do that? Relational safety. We say, we pause, whatever we're trying to do, this isn't always feasible, but if you can, we stop, like stop, drop and roll, right? <laughs> I remember stop, that. Hug the kid. And then just, you know what? We're just going to stop for a second because I'm getting overwhelmed. And say out loud what's happening inside of you. Like my body is telling me that we need a break right now. I'm feeling overwhelmed and a little extra wiggly and I'm just struggling to be, struggling to stay on task. Let's take a break. Mm -hmm. Three minutes. Okay, let's let's go back. Are you ready to go back? Cool. So now let's go do the thing. But when you see that your kid is sort of escalate, like, uh, right? Like, you know, you can see right. it. You know. Then you stop, pull them back in. This is before the con, before the thing happens, before stuff goes off the rails. Mm -hmm. You know, don't end up on the news. Like, just back it down, right? Like, just. Keep them don't have the neighbors call you right <laughs> but that's it you can see it and so we as parents have to take the extra step of monitoring their windows as well as our own this actually happened yesterday at my house so and yeah and so jackson's chores are to we have a dog as you know so his chores are to go outside and pick up after her which isn't mm -hmm. much it's like one if two a day right and uh, he also needs to pick up the citrus. Whatever citrus has fallen, oh, okay. he needs to pick that up because it attracts rats and you. Um, so it takes literally like four minutes to do this, right? And so I'm outside watering plants and, and he's out there and he's taking forever to pick up like one pile of dog crap, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so he doesn't end up doing it, runs to the patio where I am, throws himself down on the ground and screams at the top of his lungs outside. Screams, I hate this and the mosquitoes are biting me. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, bro, you got to finish it because it's your chore, but why don't you go have a seat inside, maybe play your iPad for like five minutes and then we'll try this again. And it actually worked really well. So he went in, grabbed his iPad so I could see him in the kitchen window, just sitting down, just chilling out. I finished up what I was doing, went in, and I was like, hey, sounds like you were really mad back there. And that, that just wasn't working or whatever it is that I said to him. Then he goes, yeah, but I'm okay now. And, you know, really appreciated the break that he got to take. Right. I didn't even know that I was really doing that. I was just, you know, kind of trying to be cool and understanding that it didn't have to be done right that second. And I really didn't want him to freak out and for us to have tension for the rest of the night, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it ended up working really well. Yeah. That's exactly 
the thing that we need when we're having a really tough time and we're overwhelmed and we're like losing it, we need our person to care for us in that moment to say like, oh, I, oof, I see that you're having a really tough time. Let me accept you at your capacity right now and offer you space to experience what you need to experience versus I don't care. You're going to finish it right now. Mm -hmm. I said, do it. You're going to do it. Like that's not effective. It's not going to work. It would have been terrible. Make everything worse. Like, so it doesn't serve anyone, but that may be our instinctual response because of how we were raised or because of how we think, you know, we might believe that if they started, they need to finish it. Like whatever, for whatever reason, our instinctual response isn't inherently wrong. It's just not effective. Like it's just not going to work. You're going to end up mm -hmm. in a with more problems than you have, um, you know, safety. And that's right, what and then you're, to feel okay. And then you're training them to behave that way too, because let's face it, you know, they learn a lot from their caregivers and, and parents and yeah. whatnot. Yeah. If we're intolerant of people's capacity to engage in the activity that we're asking them to engage in, you know, we're really not teaching patience and regulation we're saying hey if you're dysregulated just pretend like you're not and take and just do the thing push all your feelings down don't express them to anyone we're basically teaching them that you don't have the right to get overwhelmed and when you're overwhelmed, please don't come to me for help because I'm not there for you. And that's like, we're teaching them not to trust us. Just like we do with our partners, our spouses or whatever. If somebody comes to me and, and like, let's say I go to my boyfriend or whatever, and I'm like, hey, you know, I really want to talk to you about this thing because it's been really bothering me the last couple of days. Like you said this at dinner and it really hurt my feelings. And I didn't say anything at the time. And then he's like, you shouldn't even be upset about that. Now I'm like, oh, uh, yeah, you're right. I'm stupid. Let me go away now. Like, I'm like, Wah! like, it just makes me feel crappy. Like, so then I'm going to be like, okay, you know, I know that what he said really bothered. Like, so the next time. I'm gonna be like, okay, so I know that um, he really hurt my feelings and I just don't, I don't think I deserve to be talked to like that. And like, I don't, you know, even if it wasn't his intent, you know, I still really want to set this boundary, but I can't really set this boundary because he's going to think that I'm being stupid or being too much or like being needy and that's not okay. And I just, I, I don't want him to get mad at me. So now I'm going to talk myself out of my right to have this boundary, right? So my right to express my needs to my partner who's committed to meeting them, right? That's the job. So right. now I've, I've sort of talked myself out of expressing these needs by convincing myself that I don't have the right to have the need. And that's like doing internal damage for me. It's damaging my relationship. I don't trust you. So we're doing that to our kids all the time by accident when we shut them down or when we don't allow them to experience distress and we tell them to stop without teaching them how. So we expect like our children to be able to regulate themselves like adults, but even adult, like we're not even good at it. So like, right. 
<laughs> I feel like, I feel like we're not even, we don't even know how to do this. So we, but we do expect our kids, we expect a lot from them, right? We expect them to be able to like sit still for long periods of time, right. um, not know what's going on and not ask any questions about it. Right. Um, just sort of like quietly well. observe without being invited to engage. Like we're asking that, like, we're asking a lot of these kids because it's hard to be a kid in an environment where like, let's say you're on the plane or right. Like we're asking them to do a lot. And so they can get overwhelmed. And so we need to have the expectation that it's, that they're under some stress right now. And what they need to resolve their, to be less stressed is connection, not defense. Mm -hmm. Cause just like we made our spouse, the enemy before we made our kids, the enemy too. When we did this, when we when we were out of our window and still trying to like tell our kid what to do, trying to make him do the thing that he can't do because he's all freaked out and like everybody's mad. Now our kid's the enemy and that's not okay. Mm -mm. Cause then we're going to feel like crap later. I know every time I lose my stuff and like flip my lid and treat my kids maybe a little badly because I wasn't very nice or I was too harsh or I was snappy or whatever. And it really wasn't about them. I feel like crap after. Right. And so I want to avoid that if I can. And so I try really, really hard to like monitor that window. And I think that's super common. I mean, mom guilt is such a thing. I don't know if dads go through the same thing. Like, I don't know. I I just feel like I'm constantly feeling guilty about everything. You know, I do. And that guilt pushes us out of our window too. True. That's another thing, because if we feel guilty, then our priority becomes to stop the guilt instead of engage with the kid. So like, remember all those things like throughout the day that like weaken your window or like make it harder to stay. Mm-hmm. So do all your internal narratives about your own stuff. So when I interact or like if somebody, if my kid says something that makes me feel super guilty, cause like, I don't know, I'm not like Christmas decorating or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. so I don't decorate for holidays and like my kids really like holiday decorations and like, I just, that's not my deal. And so like, they'll be like, you know, uh, the, our other family, uh, decorates for holidays or whatever. And I'm like, that's so cool. Like, I'm glad that you love that. I'm glad you get to spend time in the decorated house. Like when you're not with me in the inside, I'm like, I feel like crap. Like I'm not a good mom. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just, all this narrative is running. Like you're comparing me to them. Like you think they're better than me. Like, right, right, right. Like, whoa, mom, all he said was like, he likes the decorations that's like settle down. Right. But like those things can kick us out really fast and we don't even know. So we've got to like really check ourselves before we wreck ourselves Mm -hmm. and recognize that our kids say stuff that triggers our own insecurities. And when that happens, we really want to pounce. But that's not their fault. It's not their fault. We don't need to do that. Yeah. We don't need to engage them in that. That's who we talk to. That's how, when we talk to our friends about, that's not what we deal with our kids for, right? Like that's not a, that's not an, 
engagement that you need to have with them. Or that's what we talk to our counselor about. Yeah. Our therapists, <laughs> our friends, our spouses, our partners, um, not our kids. Cause they don't right. know. Right. They fault. don't. And I think a lot of times we as adults forget that we have done all this learning and they haven't gotten there yet. No, no. They don't have the life experience that we have. We Mm -hmm. can't expect them to know this shit. Yeah. They're little tiny baby children and they don't know stuff. Their brains. Yeah. Even if they're, you know, like, like your kids are men now, but they're still children. Yeah. They're big giant baby children. Right. (laughs) (laughs) They're six feet tall baby children. And they have a lot of capacities. And um, so we, it's funny how we look at teenagers. We look at teenagers because they look like grown people, right? Right. And we think like, you should know. Why don't you know? And then you're like mad that they don't know or whatever, but it's like, well, they don't know because their brain doesn't have the same operational capacity as mine. You know, the executive functioning, the frontal lobe, like not all there. Right. And since I'm just a little bit over the age of 25, mine's fully developed. Right. But theirs isn't. And so it's not about like the impulsivity or the hormones. Like it's not about any of that. It's about the fact that their brains aren't done cooking. So if they make a mistake or if they are forgetful or if they are, you know, being lazy or whatever, like that's not because they're just like malicious jerks. It's because they're children. Mm-hmm. And they need us to show them and guide them and support them. Where are the the stick that you tie the tree to when it's a baby tree so it doesn't fall over? We're the <laughs> right. stick. We're the stick. We're the stick. So we need to be like, okay, I see that the wind is blowing you, but we're just gonna let you blow because I know I've got you, right? So like, but it's like I'm here with you and I've got you. And that message is important to our partners and to our kids because that's the message. I want that message. Yeah. If I'm having a really hard time, like I want my boyfriend to say to me, like, I'm here with you. I've got you. And so if my kid's having a really hard time, that's what they want to hear from me because I'm their person. I'm it. You're it. Your goal. I'm the one. one, Yeah. I'm the one whose design is to make them feel better about themselves and their place in the world. That's my whole role in their life. They come, I'm their comfort. So like, I really have had to check in. I've had some really tough stuff come up in practice lately that really like got to me. And so I've been really reflecting on, am I doing a good enough job of connecting with my kids? And I thought about that, like, even though I don't see myself as like somebody that they really like that much, (laughs) they do because I'm their mom. Right. Period. I could be like a total dork, which I am. I could be a total like weirdo or whatever. Like they could be so embarrassed, but like I'm their mom. So when I am approaching, when I go to them and I say, Hey, do you want to have lunch with me? That's very, very exciting for them. And like, I can't fathom that in my head because I'm like, they don't even want to, like, they don't like me that much. They don't want to hang out with me, right? 
but just the invite is like, it's a big deal. And I forget that. And I, right. I sort of let my independent kids, right. My self-sufficient teenagers do their own thing. And I forget that they're still children and they still need me to raise them. Even though for the most part, they can make it on their own, mm -hmm. you know, aside from like the roof over their head, if it weren't for money, like they'd be fine. Right. You know? They can get around, they can dress themselves like they're fine. Right. So I kind of forget that they really do still need me. And that relational consistency is important that I offer to them. And so, you know, I've kind of had to do a little bit of reflection and say, like, I need to intentionally spend more quality time with my children to improve their sense of relational safety so that as they continue to age out of this whole childhood thing they're going to feel like they're still secure and stable because the less relational safety they have the less stability they're more 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 unstable and vulnerable and at mm -hmm. risk it puts them at risk for a whole bunch of things so right. i don't know if i kind of went off topic just there no 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 it makes a lot of sense i'm gonna i'm going to take you back to window of tolerance though Oh, yeah, because I do have a question about that. So we talked a lot about, you know, somebody who's we're in a close relationship with mm -hmm. or our children or you yeah. know another adult that we're in a close relationship with. But what about the person in the grocery line? What about if you are out of your window of tolerance and or or how about this how about this? Remember over the weekend when we were having breakfast at the restaurant? Yeah. And this poor waiter, I felt so bad for him was collecting plates and he dropped the plate down the back of another guest yeah. in the restaurant. So somebody yes. was there eating, a patron was there eating. And, and this is Texas guys. So it's like grits and gravy, right? And it All was nasty. It was, it was nasty. Oh, yeah. So he kept his cool. He did very well. Um, but when there's no, when, when, the other person that you're dealing with isn't going to understand what that means because yeah. we haven't had that conversation with them yet. They're strangers. Mm -hmm. How do we gracefully handle that when we're just boiling inside? I think we just, it depends on the situation, but when it's a conflict with a stranger, my advice would be like, if you're safe, disengage just stop because it doesn't matter like getting your point across like or whatever so like take this guy let's say he i'm mad like i'm the guy that got spilled on i'm not but like let's hypothetically right i'm the guy that got spilled on and i'm like mad right like on the inside i'm like freaking out if i'm freaking out on the inside then i need to say and do as little as possible because i can't trust myself to stay cool if I engage. So I need to stop. I need to freeze and just get myself together. And so I'm grounding myself. Like I'm saying, okay, this is, I'm, no one's gonna, I'm not going to die. Not going to die. I can get another shirt. Hopefully. Right. <laughs> I can, like, I'm not going to die. This, I don't need to freak out. Like I just get myself back together. I'm going to get myself back in my window. And so in order to do that, I need grounding skills. I need calm skills. I need the capacity for that. So whether I do deep breathing, whether I do 
I literally say to myself, I'm not going to die. Like that actually helps me. Um, some, or a calm place, like envision, like I'm at the beach, like just whatever. So whatever works for you. And we could talk more about what those, like getting more of those, right. Mm-hmm. You gotta get yourself back together before you engage. And then if you engage, you will be polite as possible. Like, and when I say polite, I guess what I mean by that is not mean. Right. You don't have to be particularly nice, but just don't be mean. Like don't treat other people without dignity and respect. Right. Because on on the other side of this is a human being who's probably mortified. Worst day of his life, right? Worst day. But the bottom line is, it's not personal. It was an accident. And everyone deserves to be treated with respect and dignity. Not even respect, dignity. Right. If respect is too far, fine. Dignity. They're a human. (laughs) Right. And that's it. And they know what they did and that's enough. And like, it's not your job to teach them a lesson. It's not your job to change this, them or their situation or whatever. Like if you're in a conflict with a stranger, if you're safe, end it. Don't. Because it doesn't do any, there's no upside to con to conflict with a stranger. There's just no, there's no winning for anyone. Like it's just pointless. Right. Right. It just keeps going. You know, I watched him. I don't know if you remember, but I stopped every, I stopped our entire conversation. Oh yeah. And I was we all did. Like, I was watching. I was <laughs> like, be nice. Please be nice. Please be nice. Yeah. And what he did was he was, uh, I could see the side of his face. Right. And mm-hmm. he was breathing and he was just, yep. And he was just staring straight ahead. He never turned his head. Mm-hmm. He never spoke to them. Mm-hmm. He just let them clean him up. <laughs> and yeah, they did. Move. He didn't move. There were like four of them that came swarming out of the kitchen, all with with towels. And they did a great job and they quickly cleaned him up. I saw that there was a round of drinks on the table. So I'm pretty sure he got those. (laughs) I saw desserts on the table. So I'm pretty sure he got those. And they gave him a new shirt. So all was well within like 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that is his capacity. That was his capacity was to just do nothing. He was like, I will just sit here and let them take care of this. Because if I engage, and I don't know this guy, so I don't know if he has a temper or whatever, but like, if I engage, I might escalate this situation because I'm super pissed. Mm -hmm. Like we have to check yourself before you wreck yourself, man. Exactly. Well, because then it could have gone into a a bunch of different ways. Like he could have made a scene. Um, Maybe that could have been perceived wrong and he could have maybe gotten in trouble. Authorities could have been called or maybe it wasn't perceived wrong at all. And he was doing things that warranted authorities being called. But either way, that was going to ruin his day a lot more than the incident itself had Mm -hmm. he not reacted the way he did. Yeah. Yeah. Those kinds of things, like that's where stuff gets dangerous, you know? Like, like you said, if he reacted in a way, like, you don't know what people are going to do. Right. There's it's Texas, it's Arizona. Like 
Yeah. People got stuff with them. We, we don't know what kind of tempers. We don't know what kind of fight or flight responses. We don't know what kind of, we don't know what kind of internal experience another person is having because they're triggered by this. Right. Mm -hmm. So we don't know who's going to feel the need to defend themselves. And it doesn't make any sense to escalate something. It does not improve the situation under any circumstances. Ever. ever. When has it ever made, like, ask yourself this, people in the audience, like, when has freaking out making a scene and making somebody feel like shit ever made it better? Never. To, uh, never. The answer is never. The limit no. does not exist. It's never right. happened. Right. I think... So I was thinking about this because I knew we were going to talk about it, but that's really like yelling and screaming at somebody has never improved a situation. Physically hurting or interacting with somebody has never improved a situation. This is parent kids. This is stranger. I don't care. These rules apply broadly and globally. Demeaning somebody or calling them names or blaming them or minimizing their experience has never ever improved a situation. Like none of these things are effective, period, blanket. Right. Nor has it ever made anybody feel better. No, no. But even if that's not your goal, it's not gonna achieve your goal. You're, no, it's not gonna help. It's not the solution. And I think we just don't remember that. But when we're in fight or flight, that's what our brains and bodies think is the solution. And so we have to practice not getting there. We have to practice staying in our safe zone, our window of tolerance where we're okay, where we're just, we're safe. We're not threatened. Because when we feel threatened, that's when we defend. And most of the time that's not necessary. Right. And then that just prolongs it, right? That stokes the fire. Yeah, because if you're going to be aggressive with me or if you're being, you know, if you're on that offense, then I'm going to be defensive, which you're going to be defensive too, which I'm going to be defensive, blah, 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 blah. And it just continues that cycle and mm -hmm. makes it about winning at that point, like you said. Yeah. And it's never OK for you to violate someone else's boundaries because you've gone out of your window and you've lost control. That doesn't make it okay. Coming back later and saying, I've lost control and that's my mistake is a good apology when you're actively seeking the capacity to do better. But that's not just a chronic sort of, because I'm right. Like, because I have anxiety, right. I, I just have, I just get to treat people rudely and be dismissive of them or be even mean no no i don't get to do that i need to really it takes me more energy to stay calm right because i have depression or anxiety or whatever so it takes me more energy but that's my role and i need to then so maybe it's going to take us longer to have this conversation because i'm gonna need 27 breaks instead of just two mm-hmm but that's my, I need to do that because I'm an adult and that's my responsibility is to learn how to regulate myself given my constraints. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when we're 
engaging in a situation and you start to find yourself doing things or saying things that aren't necessarily that aren't okay frankly we don't get to call people names it's never okay to scream at somebody it's never okay to physically put your like harm somebody right it's never okay to demean somebody or call them names or blame them for your own distress it's never okay and i think we like we said in the beginning like what we think is okay and what we've accepted as okay has a lot to do with what we've experienced in the past and we don't always know that this stuff isn't okay it's not normal and it's not okay and it hurts and it's damaging emotionally and so when it comes to ourselves and our kids and how other people around us treat our kids and how you know the people that we allow into our lives like i'm a single mom the people who i allow into my life need to treat my kids like the way that is okay it's not okay for them to be nasty to my kids because they don't know or they're different like that's not okay right and so i think we need to help ourselves stay within our window so that we can have stronger boundaries and be able to stand up for ourselves when we don't think something's okay if that it makes all kinds of sense and we are at the end of our show laura and you know what's so funny i love talking to you so much i have like four but like four more questions (laughs) that i wrote before we even got on oh my gosh that's you know, and, and, but I know that you and I can get on a, a roll and it's all important stuff. It's all, you know, a lot of what we talked about today really truly speaks to the reason that we're doing this show. Yeah. And it's to, <laughs> you know, teach your kid how to regulate themselves and they're, mm-hmm. they're going to learn from you and think about how, how much that's like, what a leg up in this world a lot of us would have had, you know, or in our own lives. Yeah. Had we learned that, like, I almost like, maybe this is a good analogy. Maybe it's not, but it's like a baby scorpion, right? When they inject, they don't know how much poison to give when they're okay. pissed off. Right. Mm-hmm. But the adult knows, learns, understands how much poison to give when it's pissed off. Right. So it doesn't kill itself. Yeah. Like, right. Can't we use this? Analogy? Hilarious. Yeah, that's really good. That's really hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, we don't know. They don't know. They don't know how we need to help them. Exactly. Yeah. So, so Laura, Laura loves to help kids. And in fact, that is your specialty, isn't it? It is. Yeah. That's what I do all the time. Little kids and moms, teenagers. Awesome. So if somebody wants to get in touch with you, Laura, if they would like to consult with you or, you know, talk with you, ask you any questions, how, what's the best way for them to do that? They can find me online at beneviri.com, B-E-N-A-V-I-E-R-I, um, and facebook.com slash beneviri, Instagram, all of that. Um, but beneviri.com is where you can get me and all kinds of contact forms on there. Awesome. Awesome, Laura. Well, we have a couple of comments really quick before we go. Um, we had Kelly on today, Savastano and Kelly Watts back. Hello, Kelly's. And we had Punket Betty on today, too. And um, she Punket mentioned it's hard to be a stick sometimes. So hard. Yeah. So that's what we were talking about, being the stick for our kids, the stick that you tie the tree to to make sure the tree grows up nice and strong and safe. Um, she said, good stuff, you guys. 
And Kelly Watsbaka says, such a good reminder when dealing with our children. She just made that comment. So I think it was about that last little bit that we did. And then one last thing that I didn't catch way back when, sorry, Kelly, she mentioned, I feel like everyone's circles are, are much smaller lately. And I wonder how collective consciousness affects that. Hmm. So maybe that is something for you to circle back to and, and give her some thoughts on that uh, yeah. after the show. Yeah, for sure. I will get in there when I'm done with work today and share some thoughts. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you again so much, Laura. I love spending time with you. I love our chats. And for those thank of you out there and want to catch some of our previous shows, because I think this is like show nine that we've done. So we have, right? I know time flies when you're having fun. So we have done a bunch of shows. We have talked about so many things that affect our mental health, that affect us as individuals, that we want to recognize that we want to do better with, right? So that we don't pass them on to our kids. That's really what this show is about. You can catch us over at Mom Nation USA. That's our handle over on YouTube. And check out the, the Mental Wealth Playlist. Also on any of your favorite podcast platforms, just look up Mom Nation Talk Radio and we are there once a month with Laura. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. I can't wait till next time. Me too. Bye. Bye.